Welcome to Kingdom of Honor. This is your host, Anman Shane Sabunia, along with my good buddy, Jeff, the Honorable Jeff. And, you know, a lot of times, like, we'll start off our shows with uh, kind of, like, leading into what our what our topic of the, of the week is going to be. But this week, I think, simply because I want to get on, get, get on with the, uh, I guess, get out with the old and in with the new, because we're, we're planning on doing a little bit of Royal Rumble preview and a little bit of... AEW talk and a little bit of hard to kill talk. Um, I'm gonna say that, you know, coming into hard to kill. Well, actually, let me start it off by by saying this. Um, and Jeff, I, I know that you know you and I may have some different opinions on this, considering, you know, the way that you feel about some of the AEW performers. I'm mean, sorry, the I should say the Impact performers. And I and I share some of those same concerns as you do, but. I would say that overall, this was an incredibly well-booked show. And then we got to the match I thought was going to be a classic. And Hard to Kill became hard to watch. Um, and I just want to start with that because, you know, you and I try to be as positive as possible, but I think... So I just want to get the negative out of the way, really. And, you know, I, th I thought, you know, last year... Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan won was, I believe, like, my number two match of the year? Something like that? Uh, it was up there. I don't know if it was... Yeah, I don't know if it was that high on my list, but it was definitely up there. And this year, they start off, you know, the, the very first pay-per-view of the year for Impact Wrestling, and it is an overindulgent, disgusting mess of two performers two characters who learned nothing from either of the previous two encounters with each other. I fucking hated it. Well, and it wasn't just that. I mean, it was, there was, that was bad. Yes. Um, but there were a couple other missteps on the show that, you know, we can talk about maybe later, but you're right. I think we need to start with this, but there was just not a whole lot of good in this match. And I mean, Outside of Sammy Callahan's performance as a heel, which I think he was a little over the top on this one, a little more so than he really needed to be. It was almost like he was trying too hard to make Tessa look even more sympathetic than she already was. I mean, this was already Tessa's night. Um, and he kind of almost went a little too far in his heel tactics to get Tessa over. I don't know if <clears throat> you picked up on that too, but I mean, we kind of mentioned it earlier today that he would never be able to be his character that he is in any other promotion other than Impact. And that performance that he had just pushed it way over the top. I thought it was probably about 10 minutes too long. There were some spots that just didn't make any sense. And when you look at the rest of this card... It was a 23-minute match. The only other one that came close to it was one that we'll talk about in a bit here that was a 20-minute match. Otherwise, everything was right around 9 to, th I think, 9.19 was the shortest. 13 minutes even was the longest. So it's not like they really had a whole ton of um, investment in any of their matches. This one probably could have lost about 10 minutes of it, and we could have given at least five of that to that uh, handicap world tag match which i thought was good we could have given another five minutes to trey and ace austin which i thought was phenomenal <clears throat> um i you know i i guess if we're talking about timing i have no problem with giving your world championship match the the, the top um the top if it's on the card if My it continues to hold drama throughout the entire match and it uh, actually is telling a story other than just some guy being a complete douchebag and and his um, competitor trying to overcome the douchebaggery. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, uh, that honest to God. Yeah, that was my problem with it is, is, it was a is, you know, we saw what happened at, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Slammiversary that these two faced each other for the first time. And... You know, we saw what happened in that match. We, you know, we saw a very similar Sammy, Sammy Callahan in that one, who was being, um, you know, a complete douchebag, um, not giving Tessa any respect because she's a woman, all that kind of bullshit, right? And how did but that? But she also, end? she also won his respect by the end of it, and it was dramatic throughout the entire match. You actually 
were concerned that um, Sammy was going to go complete Sammy and completely destroy her, but she was able to hold the story together, and he had respect for her towards the end. Right. So he so he respects her at the end. He hands her the bat. He hands her the ring. As the show goes off the air, and now six months later. That respect is all gone. He forgets how tough she is. She's she's still the plucky underdog who hasn't learned anything. You know, she she's not wrestling the way she should against against um, a guy who has already beaten her when she wrestled the way that she wrestled him in this match. And neither character has learned a damn fucking thing. It's just, it's just fucking ridiculous. And you know, not only that, but the you know for for, for years actually. We went with seeing only one person be able to kick out of the um, the sump pile driver that he does, the cactus pile driver ninety nine or no, sorry, ninety seven, um, and that was Brian Cage. And Brian Cage is a machine; he can kick out of anything. It made sense for him to kick out of the move, but now Tessa Blanchard does it twice in one match. Tessa Blanchard does it twice in one match. So you know if and, and you know what there's. Say what you will about this being sexist or whatever, but when a woman is kicking out of a man's finishing move that he's beaten countless men with over the years, he beat fucking Pentagon with it, for God's sake. Um, and he can't beat Tessa Blanchard with it. It's it's just flat-out ridiculous. Hold on, let me change the rating from PG. <laughs> <laughs> Since you already dropped the F-bomb. Did I really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we made it five minutes in this time. Oh. <laughs> Seven minutes in, so we're doing good. Flat, we're doing better. Flat out ridiculous, but no, 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 nope. You went the you went the full X rated there. I did, huh? Okay. That's that's all right. I'll let it slide. Yeah. Well, um, no, but I mean, I I agree. I agree with you. This was such a travesty. It was. I was actually looking forward to a performance, but their story has kind of changed throughout time i mean it turned it started with him just being kind of a jerk um and not respecting her but then him winning her respect or her winning his respect and you know everything at the end of that match but through since ever since then he's still in his promos he's still going look you know i don't care that you're you're coming after my title i don't care that you're a woman anymore it's not about that you've proven yourself now i'm gonna treat you like i treat everyone else which was fine and i'm okay with that and that's the way he should be if she's going to be wrestling for the world title but the fact that um he just went completely overboard i i I lost track at how many times he flipped her off, shoved his finger in her face, you know, and how many other, how many more times did he just spit on her or, or do whatever? It, it, it got to a point where it was almost crossing the line of, of even being a heel character. He didn't wrestle her like he wrestled, like he wrestles everybody else though. He didn't, he, you know, he wrestled her like she was a rookie or, you know, she was, um, she was, or you know, she was a she was a weakling, like you know, like like uh, <coughs> like a guy wrestling a woman, or like Bam Bam Bigelow wrestling Spike Dudley. You know, I mean, that's that was the kind of vibe that I got from here. He he had no respect yeah, for you her. Know, it didn't make any sense considering the fact that he did before. Well, not only that he did, but that she, you know, really stood toe to toe with him. They put, like you said last year, they put on one of the matches of the year. It he really needed to. I tone it down a bit, I think, and and like like I said earlier, to you, uh, and I don't even know if did I say it on this yet or not. I can't remember that his act would not fly in any other organization. If he went into any kind of mainstream, any with any of the top three in the world, that act won't fly. It just won't work. His performance there, I mean, yeah, it was a great heel performance, but it was almost almost too much at times. Oh, it absolutely was too much in this match for sure. Um, you know, I, and I don't, th- I don't think it really matters whether you know whether we're working another promotion. Or he's not planning on going to another promotion. No, I mean he's he's no. already been in WWE and hated it. You know, I don't think he's I don't think he's planning on going to AEW or NJPW. I th- you know I think he's where he wants to be. Well, even still, if they're trying to make impact a. Um well, they've already got a national audience, but if they're trying to make them a mainstream national audience, these are the types of performances you can't have. Off your, 
off your top performer. I, I mean, he, let, let's put it, he's wrestled the year two years in a row. He's, um, you know, I, he was voted that last year. I don't know, had they released their, their picks this year? I'm guessing it's either going to be him or, him or uh, Tessa. But he's clearly their best performer. He's clearly the top top level in the in the thing and now we're going to get another you know six month feud between him and tessa until he gets the title back and uh whatever but he can't go out there and put on those kind of performances if impact is ever going to make it out of a super indie national you know exposure or not he's got to tone it down that's a fair point yeah, I mean, I, I, told, I guess I can see where you're going, what you're going with. I, I didn't understand the point before that you, that you made, but you, yeah, I, t- I totally get it now. Is yeah, he, he's not he's not your he's not your poster boy for for a mainstream audience for sure. No, no, and I mean it's not, and I can respect and, and, and honestly, that. I, I truly can. I can respect his performance, and like I said, it was a good heel performance. I don't know if it'll be a great heel performance because I think a great heel performance could have been done without maybe not so much trashing your opponent in the ring, maybe trashing the audience a little more, maybe tone down on the amount of um, you know times you shove your finger in their face. Uh, you know, I get the animosity between the two, but it almost seemed forced at times. And it just, I don't know. I, I was so disappointed in the match, not only by that, but the actual match itself. There was not a whole lot of psychology in it other than Sammy going after Tessa's leg. How many times did she hit the Magnum? And then, of course, you know, I get it that the apron is the hardest part of the ring, but what good does it do to hit a Magnum there? You're not hitting your opponent on the ring. You're hitting your damn back on the apron. <laughs> that did more damage to Tessa than it did to uh, to to sammy because how did that how did those knees to the face hurt any more than the uh, knees to the face on the on the floor or in the um in the middle of the ring it was tessa that took the the, wrestling because it was the apron and the apron's the hardest part of the ring so you know it must have somehow stiffened her knees a little bit so that they got a little extra oomph when they kicked him in the face God, that just annoyed me. That one annoyed me, and I've seen some other guys do it too. There was uh, I can't remember who did it, but somebody did a, a stunner on the apron too, and I'm like, serious? All that did was hurt your ass, son. It didn't hurt your opponent. They build this as the hardest part of the ring, but now they're uh, not using it for offensive maneuvers that are actually going to take out their opponent. They're just using it for offensive maneuvers. So why is it, it – am I to believe now that it's the hardest part of the ring when some guy's willing – to dive off the top rope and put her back on that hardest part of the apron? Yes, you're supposed to believe whatever they tell you to believe, Jeff. I won't do it. Okay. So anyway, that... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was was pretty much my... That... It's weird when one main event match like that can really destroy the vibe of the entire show. I mean, I was, I was disappointed in the whole Rob Van Dam crap that was going on, and um, I wasn't a big fan of that three way impact or the knockouts match. Taya looked great, but Jordan Grace looked clumsy, and ODB looked out of her league, just completely out of her league. Um, Ken Shamrock and Fulton. Fulton put on a hell of a performance, but to put over Ken Shamrock like that, I get it. He was the baddest man on the planet 20-some years ago. But for a guy of mad... I mean, they did nothing but build up Madman Fulton about being a singles and technical wrestler and amateur wrestler and, and how many awards he's won and you know his performance after he supposedly had a you know after he had his shoulder dis, uh, dislocated and everything it, he was he came out of that looking and looking 20 times better than Shamrock did and Shamrock's the one who got the win right that that was part of the of the, of the booking i thought you know that when i said there was some strong booking on this card that was what part his of what I was talking about is, is you know i think i think shamrock had to win here just be i mean i hate saying this that shamrock had to win but just because if he doesn't win here after he just after he lost to moose um, and he doesn't he doesn't get some big victories then he, then he has no value to them whatsoever going forward he Where has no he, value he has no value outside of his name period he didn't when he first came back he's this is i'll I'll give it to him he looked in better condition this match and he looked like um 
he looked a lot better than he has previously, but he's had no nothing other than name recognition since the moment he walked on walked back into their company. You know, and you can say that same thing about some of the uh, other ECW guys have come in. Rhino continues to put on great matches, but Rhino was still a high level performer at the top of his game in other companies in other you know big name companies. He didn't take a bunch of time off. I mean, I. I guess dreamer is dreamer. He does what he does. He, you know, but Van Dam. we talked about this before about how I've never looked at him as an innovator of offense. We, and of course we ran down the uh, list of names of people that were, but Van Dam just does not. He looks, he looks slow. He looks like everything is so, timed with him that it's almost you're almost seeing the choreography a little too much out of him yeah i think i think that's just i think that's just part of him being him his age really but well yeah and i mean that's what i'm saying shamrock wasn't that i thought that that i think he brings a lot to the table my point was that you know thinking as a booker you know i think he had to i think he had to win the match because if he doesn't then he has no value to you whatsoever going forward I think if this... Let me finish my sentence for once. Sorry. No, I don't like to. You don't make sense. Whereas um, Fulton losing in the manner that he lost took nothing away from Fulton whatsoever. Now, I mean, I I probably would have had him get completely passed out from the pain rather than actually nodding his head that he he submitted. But I still would... But I still think, you know, him having his shoulder dislocated, fighting his way back, almost beating Shamrock even that way... Um, and then Shamrock's look on his face like, man, that guy, that was a tough mother, mother effer. Um, I caught myself that time. Um, you know, it was a great, was a great way to start the show and also a great way to, to build Mad Men Fulton up without him actually getting the victory. You have as to say that him. Dam, um, let's talk about his opponent because, you know, I went from being very high on Brian Cage a year ago and, to being to the point where I really don't want to watch that guy anymore. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he's constantly injured for real, or if you know this is all part of a storyline so he can so he can be with his wife and kid. But I'm really tired of that guy right now at this point because you know he he was a lame duck champion. Now he goes in against Rob Van Dam and he can't even finish a match, and it just makes me want to scream now. You know, now knowing that he's on the cards. Well, considering I heard a rumor that he signed with AEW. Oh, goody. You might see more of him going forward. But anyway, back to Madman Fulton. One last thing about that is um, I really like the fact that he tapped out with his forehead. That The way that Don Callis did. He just tap with his face. I, I thought that was intriguing and fun. <laughs> it was intriguing, that's for sure. Okay, there's nothing about that uh, on... I t- I thought I heard a rumor that he had signed. I might have been wrong. It might have been a dream. Um, you mispronounced nightmare. Well, that too. Well, he was backstage at um. Uh, was it all out or was it the other one? Double or nothing. Yeah, he was backstage at double or nothing. Okay, so I know they have some kind of relationship with him. So it didn't seem far fetched, but from what I'm seeing, it's not. Oh, doctors decided not allow to allow Brian Cage to compete because he had suffered a torn bicep in the weeks leading up to the show. So he wasn't supposed to be in a official match, and this was just a way to write him out of it so Daga could take take his place. Ah, so it, bad so decision. It is, so, it, so it is that he's constantly injured, then. Yeah, but still a bad way to write him off. I mean, you made him look. You, you embarrassed the guy that was supposed to be the face of your company. And, um, yeah, they could have just done without this match to begin with. Oh, Brian Cage is injured. Let's give a few more minutes to Ace Austin and Trey. You know, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it because, 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 yeah, I mean, because Rob Van, because, you know, you get, you get the, the spot, Rob Van Dam gets his spots in there. The crowd is happy about, you know, the crowd that wants to see Brad Bidem is happy about that. 
you get you get Robin Van Dam and Katie and Katie over more with their character. You still get the girlfriend coming in there and helping out, so we see we'll see how that stable goes. And then Doctor gets a little bit of exposure too. So I mean, I I really don't have any problem with the way with the way they did that. Yeah, I I just I guess I just don't like the Rob Van Dam and Katie Ford's character. I, I just well, I'm, you know what I hated Katie Ford's character before, but I do think she, I do think she's toned it down a bit and she's actually kind of become an asset now. She has from an from a valet um, point of view, but I just still don't like their. I don't. I just don't like anything about the whole storyline and their character together. I, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of it. It's it's another one of those things where it's. I mean, I get it. We've got two ECW bookers, but they're starting to look more like 1998 ECW than they are um, a real. They're trying to do shock TV in a time when people aren't doing shock TV, when it's not working anymore. <laughs> um, and Does that yet, make sense? No, I, I see what you're saying, and, but I was going to say, and yet, you know, AEW's counter to that is by, is by doing a, a thing where um, MGF's going to go out there and strap um, Cody... 10 times on national television in 2020 when that's like an old WCW staple from 30 years ago. Well, Ring of Honor just did it last year too, <laughs> you know, with, but granted that was not, wasn't live TV and national TV and everything, but you're right. Yeah, that was a WC. Right. Oh no, I do. Exactly. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. There were a couple of things on this. Like I said, there were a few missteps. I thought Sammy's character was a little over the top. I'm not a fan of Rob Van Dam, and to have him in the feature spot that he was in was annoying. And the the Ken Shamrock going over and making Madman Fulton tap out like that when he when they had put him over so much verbally, just and he, like you said, he fought back. He had a chance to become. <clears throat> he had a chance to become something special and he just never got there. And a lot of it was see, because I, see, and I, I guess I look at this and I'm, and I'm like, you know, you, you and I, um, you know, you said you had mentioned, I think on last week's show, maybe it was a show before that, you know, we're going to be focusing mostly on new Japan and on, um, AEW and I, and I agreed with that, but I also said, and impact. And when I, and when I look at that, this, and I look at, you know, what they've been doing all along and I, and I look at, you know what I what I see. You know, as their current assets, um, I look I look at this, and, and other than the main event, I look at everything that they did, and I was and I'm like, and I can see a point behind everything that they did going forward. You know, I can see where it helps things for, you know, for for where they're at and for the talent roster that they have right now. I'm do I mean, do I wish they had a, they had a, a deeper talent roster of, of younger guys, <coughs> but for what they have now, I look at this and I go, okay, so I can see. You know, I can see why Shamrock winning made sense here, and I can, and I think they did the best job they could booking that match. If the idea was for Shamrock had to win, you know, I I, I look at um, I look at Taya at uh, Tessa Blanchard. I'm sorry, not Tessa Blanchard. Taya Valkyrie um, winning the match for the Knockout Championship, and I and I and I look at that as a good thing because. Well, I think that, you know, it's getting to the point where, where she should be dropping that title. I really want her to do it in a one-on-one -on -one situation, and especially not in a match involving stupid ODB. You know, I mean, I, th I, think, if, I think if Jordan Grace wins the championship here, and she does it by pinning ODB, nobody gains anything from that long Taya, Valk Taya Valkyrie championship reign. Well, I mean... So I, I look at Rob Van Dam um, going, you know, winning here, and I, and I think he probably wouldn't have if Brian Cage had been healthy... But I look at this and I and I go, okay. So Brian Cage is always injured, you know. He's injured here again, but they put they do a good job putting Rob Van Dam's offense over because it, you know, because he puts him through a table, he or he hits him with the Van Terminator, takes out Brian Cage, and now Daga comes out and he gets a bit of a spotlight moment. Yeah, he doesn't beat Van Dam, and that would have been a great feel good moment, but at least he gets some exposure on pay per view. He gets the audience knowing. Um, a little bit about who he is when, when a lot of them didn't because a lot of them didn't watch Lucha Underground. And he hasn't really been featured on a on a major stage yet. So, I mean, and, and then I, and then you see, and you get Rhino versus Moose in a very good match. Um, yeah. You know, and, and 
you know, in the in that spear versus spear setting. So, I mean, when I look at this, like the, like they're veterans that, um, you know, that that we would rather they didn't have on their roster. At least they're using them to, in some way, shape, or form, get over younger guys. You know, I would have been much happier with this. Had it been, you know, even having Shamrock on there, had it been Shamrock, Cage, and Daga against OVE. I mean, we're we're lacking Dave and Jake on here. We're lacking the other two rascals on here. They want to get Daga and, uh, you know, some of the young guys out there. You got Daga and OVE, and Brian Cage is a focal point. I know they, they it would have been easier to write him out of the show and have him be replaced by maybe uh, – uh, by maybe one of the rascals and had Daga, Shamrock, and a rascal against OVE, I think you would have been much further ahead than having the two, well, two matches and one no contest that we actually ended up having. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, don't, I, really, I, and, don't, I really don't understand what they're doing with the, with the rascals in general, to be honest with you. No, I don't either. They that's, seem that's to feature. Where I, where, that's that's one point where I look at their impact booking lately, and I'm like, "What the hell are you doing with with Wentz and um, now I can't think of the other guy's name." The one that we like so much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were, I mean, they were all out there. They were all out there at the end of that match, and I, you know, I, and I and I liked the way that you know, at first, I, I mean, I thought that exhibition title match was really good, or I should say, the triple exhibition title match was really good, and. You know, I, I thought they had a great result, but and I and I like the way they're continuing the story with, um, you know, Trey's mom and um, and Ace Austin. So, right. I mean, I, th- I think that's another you know, it's, it's, again, strong booking in that situation. And then you look at the World Tag Team Title match, and you know, clearly they're setting up for those two guys to have a falling out. You know, partly based on the fact that you know, Rich Swan was able to come through when it was when he had to carry the team and Willie Mack couldn't. Right. And, and I mean finally get that ad hoc team out of the tag team title situation to get the North some new opponents too. Yeah, and I mean I'll say what I can I considering that was a handicap match and I'm not a big fan of Willie Max, he that was a that was a really good strong performance out of all three of those guys. Yeah. The North, the North is one of my favorite tag teams out there right now. And Willie Mack, as much as I despise him, he went out there and put on a hell of a performance. And that that ending sequence, where he just kept being ping ponged between the two of them, was was fantastic. I don't when think. Def- um, when you say you despise Willie Mack, that's because that's that because of the character moments that we saw him from him last year, and still see from him now. Yeah, where I, he seems I, like he has a massive chip on his shoulder. Where he wants to try to act like he has a massive chip on his shoulder, but everything he does and says proves that he really doesn't. <laughs> you mean that, that Willie Mac? That's a problem. You know, I mean, I, and I, I'm not a fan of his, but the North, I, I just, I love that ending sequence. I really did. I wish um, Rich Swan would have done a little bit better job of selling his disappointment he looked more concerned that his friend just got beat than he looked disappointed that they lost the tag titles but kudos to don Callis for trying to sell that there was like i kind of thought he looked like he was constipated actually yeah he didn't look like he was disappointed i'll say that much whatever the look was but there were like three or four times during the night when don Callis went out of his way to try and sell an angle the wrestlers just the way that they were the way that they were performing and their facial expressions weren't really weren't really doing it. And I, that was one of the spots. There was a couple times with Rob Van Dam, um, you know, and there there was one more spot with ODB. So I mean, look at it, it's the old people that really shouldn't be there anyway that are well, trying not to be negative. Like I said, I mean, look at the positive of this. We got one of the what did we figure it out? It's like the fifth or sixth best match of in Impact of all time. In Eddie Edwards and Michael Algen, something like that. I mean, I mean, I, I was, I was shocked. I mean, I've never been an Eddie Edwards guy. You know that. You know, our listeners know that. Um, but he's been growing on me lately. And uh, I mean, I still think it's ridiculous that he's a 
he's a triple crown winner in Impact. He's a triple crown winner in, in Ring of Honor, and it, I'm never gonna have gonna gonna have the opinion that that should that should that should have happened at this stage of his career. It happened in. But I but I, you know I think he's to the point now where I wouldn't blink an eye if he won the world championship in impact and you know that's that's one of my favorite promotions right now so it's really saying something that he's, that he's stepped up and then of course you know Meg, what I love so much about this match first of all it, it had all the things in it that Tessa versus Sammy didn't right you know it, it had great psychology it had a, it had high stakes you know both guys had learned from each from wrestling each other um, you know it had the desperation Eddie had of not wanting to wanting to lose you know, three matches in a row to um, to Elgin. It had false finishes without having to oversell finishers, and you know it. Ha- and you know Elgin. Um, and the other thing, Jeff, that you know, I, I don't know if you, pick, I'm sure you did pick up on it, but it it had that great. Both guys came up in Ring of Honor, and both guys have toured extensively in Japan, and this was a great blend of American strong style and Japanese strong style, and. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, you know, these guys, they kicked each other's butts. They had great technical wrestling. They had, they had great high spots. They had great drama. Um, and then, you know, and this, it continued the story of Michael Elgin's frustration where he's, he's constantly in these big moments. And he never gets beaten badly. He never gets hit with somebody's finisher. He never gets knocked out. But right when he's on the precipice of getting that victory, somehow, some way... He finds a way to lose, and and I think you know just just like you know it didn't have it didn't have the long term storyline of, of the Naito Okada thing, but I think you know this this whole thing with Michael Elgin, the whole thing with Eddie Edward, Eddie Edwards story, this is really rewarding long term fan storytelling. And yeah. I should I should say the, it's long term storytelling that's really rewarding the fan paying attention to what's going on with the characters. And and I completely bought into this match, and I and you know I I had texted you that I just watched you know, a match that I'm sure will be in my top ten by the end of the year, and I and I think you know coming in I would have thought that would have been Tessa versus, um, Sammy, but and I and I was kind of shocked that it ended up being Elgin versus Eddie, but awesome awesome match. Tessa Sammy I was. Tessa Sammy one was hard to live up to and Tessa Sammy two proved that I wasn't thinking Tessie Tessa Sammy three was going to be a match to the year. Okay. I, when I first looked at this, at this card, I didn't think anything on here would live up to that. Maybe uh, Austin and Trey had a outside shot. Um, if they could both come with their a games, but Ace Austin seems on a level that Trey might never get to. Um, and you brought up that about what are they doing with the Rascals. What they're doing with the Rascals is making a, that 70s show comedy skit out of them and throwing one of them into a decent position here and there. Dez was the last one and now Trey. You know, eventually it'll probably be Wentz and the other two will just be background players for whoever they decide to thrust out there. That's pretty much all the Rascals have become. But Ace Austin is a true star. And he goes out there and puts on these performances. And when you look at a heel character and what Sammy should have been, Ace Austin is, is more like what Sammy should have been towards the end. Cause he, he treated Trey with very little respect, but also at the same time was able to continue a storyline and not look like a complete douchebag. His character is instead of a complete douchebag. <laughs> I know, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's, I mean, Sammy. Sammy has gotten to a point where, um, like he, his heel character just was on how disgusting he is. Where Ace Austin was, it wasn't so much. I, you know, I'm and, trying and to think I of how to. I know we usually have a D, an ADD show, but you know, we we were talking about. <laughs> Eddie Edwards versus Michael Elgin, and then you would—you totally didn't even talk about that match. You went to the X Division match. I've not been a real Eddie Edwards fan. I've never been a real Michael Elgin fan. Well, yeah, but neither. But you still love so the match. It, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's fine. I, you don't have to love both guys to to love the performance when they put on a great performance like this, and they put on a great performance. Yeah, they really did. So. I was I was really really impressed with the hard hitting. I, I don't does anybody sell a punch from Michael Elgin's better than Eddie Edwards does? How many times did his knee, knees just buckle and he fell to the ground in a heap? 
their back and forth um the back and forth they had with the with the hard or with the um knife head chops and the the just forearms it just everything about it was great absolutely everything And you know, this, and this is a, this is also this match. You know, kind of got me thinking, Jeff. That, and we can talk about this later on. Obviously, this doesn't, this doesn't have to be like a one night discussion. But we might want to think about next year, um, if we do do a if we do have a, an award show, like doing a <laughs> category of best North American match and best um, all and best Jap- Japanese best uh, Japanese match because I really don't know. You that said doo doo. I did say doo doo. Um, but my point was, <laughs> as much as I love this match, and I think it would be my top ten by the end of the year, we also have the G1 Climax to go, we have Dominion to go, we have Best of Super Juniors to go, so it may not stiff my um, my top ten by the time that those are all over if we keep if we keep um, Japan and the U.S. in one category. You know what I mean? Well, we... We also have a good four to five more uh, match of the years coming, one-on-one match of the years coming out of Japan. At least four to five. I mean, we're only in January. So, you know, and then, but, and now, I, I mean, with four, five, probably through UK in there too, North American promotions. Yeah, I could see if we did something like that would make more sense than try and lump them together because I just don't think you can. I, I think the the wrestling that goes on in um, in Japan, if you watch one of their major shows, you see five to six matches of the night back-to-back matches. You don't usually get that in North American television. And we have to say North American because Impact is Canadian now. Yeah, and I did say North American. You yeah, know, I know. I would say that. I was. I, was, I mean, I, I could be mistaken, but I believe when we talked about our top matches of the year, I think only three of my, two of mine, I should say, took place in North America. For last year. For last year, it was you know Tessa versus Sammy and Cody versus Dustin. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably all there was. I mean, uh, we had the Coffee versus Dunn match that was in Europe, and then everything else came from Japan. Pretty much everything else was either Okada or Jay White. Oh, other than, you know, I should say, actually there was one more. There was uh, Moxley versus Omega. Well, we did have that Sands the Tongue spot. We did have that um, uh, Callahan versus Warner match, too. All right, fine. Half of them came from North America. But regardless, we can say that there's enough to do a top ten of each, and and have it easily be feasible. But I mean, we did talk about you and I kind of went over this last night about Eddie Edward, about how you have Eddie Edwards and Elgin to see them being in the top ten for the year, and I shot back that that was probably their top ten. It was easily a top ten impact match of all time, and we even. You know, we kind of went back and forth. You had Triple uh, X versus uh, AMW from that uh, Thick Side to Steel in, what, 2005? You had that great triple threat match with uh, uh, um, Daniels, AJ, and Samoa Joe in, in 2005. Then you had, you know, there was an Angle-AJ match in, like, 2013 or 2012, right before he really went in with his lone wolf character. Uh, you know, and what, what were some of the other ones? I can't even think of them now. Uh, I had Wolf versus Angle in there. Um, AJ versus. And you could have picked any one of those. Iron Man match. Yeah, let me pull the list because I can't get it off my head anymore. I mean, but just off the top of our head, we came up with maybe six matches that would be in the same league, and I would have put this one ahead of at least three of them. So for this match. Rude, Sammy Pentagon, and Sammy Tessa. Yeah, so, I mean, and to have this one in, you know, that, to be that high on anyone's, or on our list as far as, far as the best matches in Impact history, that's saying a lot about how great a match it was. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it really was a great match. You know, if you, if you like strong style, old school storytelling, these guys put on a classic. And you should, and 
I would just go out of your way to watch that match, and just for historical reasons to see, you know, the first time ever, you know, it was. I didn't like the match, but you know, just to see the historical moment of, of Tessa versus Tessa winning the world championship. You know, just watch at least like the last, I don't know, two minutes of that match. Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just thinking about the. Um, uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, Moose and his awful getup. Those are colors that should not be on Moose. <laughs> um, I don't care what he was holding an homage to. It just should not have happened. Changing gears a little bit. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk a little bit about Dynamite. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were kind of down on dynamite and and we kind of like rolled the discussion into new japan and uh you know a lot of it you know i honestly you know and and i I remember i don't remember if i actually said this during the show but you know watching that episode of dynamite i kind of felt like i was watching an episode of raw and it it really kind of bugged me that you know they might be going down that that path so it was nice to see them kind of go back get back on track this week on dynamite but at the same time um i don't get i don't get having your number one contenders for the tag titles in a fatal four-way match to determine who the number one contenders for the tag titles are going to be. And yeah. I don't get um, having a mini tournament to decide who's going to face Chris Jericho for the world championship when clearly you're already building a Chris Jericho versus John Moxley program, and Moxley's already the number one contender. I, I just don't Yeah, and that's – and I, I think I take – was it last week I texted you that about how it doesn't make sense to have a, a ranking system when you're just going to, like you said, have a mini tournament to find out who's number one and then have um, fatal four ways every week to find out who's going to be the number one contender? Yeah, What's the point? We already, that's, that was the whole point of the ranking system. And you know, I, I I get I get wanting to have just, every match feel like it's important and things like that, but you don't need to have, you know, mini tournaments and triple threats and things. Like, I mean, we've already seen it happen where where people have lost matches and they don't, they're no longer the number one contender. So just do that. Why do you have to have like little tournaments to set shit up? I don't I don't understand that at all. I mean, they could they could just as easily have had, you know, they could have had it set for John Moxley versus Pack at on the on the ship on the uh, Jericho Cruise was going was going to be the number one contenders match and then just, you know, say, well, but, but if, um, Darby Allen beats Pac or Sammy beats Moxley, that's going to throw them out of that, out of that ranking. I mean, that, that's, that, to me, that's the, that's the more logical way to do it. And then you might have a dark horse sneak in there and get that title shot, you know, but, but I, I just don't, I don't think you need to set it up as a mini tournament. And I, and I think if you're going to do that, for, fatal, that fatal four way match to determine the number one contender, you don't have the top contenders in that match. No. I just or let's just get rid of the ranking system altogether. I mean that there's no point in having this ranking system if you're just gonna. I, I who was the number uh, number one contenders for the uh, tag titles? Uh, I know going into the match it was um, PNP. Okay, and now they lost their shot because. Um, number four just jumped over them. So why even bother having the ranking? Because they they haven't gotten their shot yet, have they? Wait, Omega, and, Omega P- and Hangman were number four coming in. Yeah. How is that possible? They were two and zero as a team. They had become the number four tag team, and that's what got them into that tournament, according to what the announcers are saying last week. That's ridiculous. This is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. Let's just get rid of the ranking altogether and just have our mini tournaments and have our fatal four ways. Yeah, I mean, they're they're unbeaten and they've beaten some strong teams. So I don't understand how they would be number four. No, well, they were. I know. I, I get what you're saying, but I, I just I don't understand it. It, the whole ranking system doesn't make sense to me. It, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no, really no, I mean, it's not like it's a point system. There's, You can have a guy who's undefeated who's ranked lower than a guy who's one in three just because the guy's one win was against the world champ. It, it just, get rid of the whole ranking system altogether and just do your little mini for, your little mini tournaments and do it like if, 
Japan honestly has the best formula for crowning number one contenders. They really truly do. It's either a grudge match or it's a um, it's they they win the shot by a tournament. Well, I mean, to be fair, sometimes sometimes I'll just come we'll just come out and say, I want a shot at your title. And it's like okay. Well, yeah, like you know, that. Yeah, but, it, but it always falls makes sense because always somebody who's actually worthy of, worthy of getting a title shot. So, um, but that's what that's where it falls into the grudge match type thing, where you know it's like this whole um, Kenta gets title shot because he came out and attacked. He didn't deserve it, he, but he came out and attacked, so he gets thrown next in line. It makes sense. I don't like it, but it makes sense. Um. Even more than that, to me, though, I, I kind of look at what's going on with AEW. And, you know, we just talked about how, like, you know, while you may not like some of the logic, there's actually logic involved in the way Impact's Hard to Kill was booked. You know, you can, you can yeah. look and you can see where things are going in the stories. I don't feel like there's any path to anybody being, being the next tag team champion or the next women's champion. You in know, AEW, I, I thought there was with Chris Tatlas, with Chris Statlander for the women's title, and then they right. blew that up. You know, I thought that, I thought there was going to be with the Dark Order for the tag titles, and then they blew that up. So, I, I look at I look and I see, yeah, John Mox is on a path to be the to be you know possibly the next AEW World Champion, and clearly they're setting up something between Hangman and Omega, except for Pax also in that mix somewhere also. And then they're clearly they're, they're, we're going with MGF versus Cody, and that's all great. Um, but when you actually look at what they're booking, everything else, like who is the t- who's going to be the next top contender for Rio's championship? Is it going to be Sheeta? Is it going to be Statlander again? Is it going to be Rose? Is it going to be Britt Baker? You know, I mean, it could be any of those four, and, and any of those four would make sense. And, right. and then you look at the tag title situation. Well, it would, I, I really expected it was going to be Santana and, or, Santana and Ortiz taking on SCU and hopefully beating those guys because <laughs> nobody else apparently can, because apparently SCU is the most unstoppable team in the history of teams. Um, but then you have Santana and Ortiz not get the victory in a top contender's fatal four-way match. So it's like, where do they go? I just I just don't see any, any actual path for it, which and no storyline being set up for it, which kind of bugs me. Well, maybe they can have a another rank and another four way match. But you get my point. No, I do. I totally get it. I mean, I mean, you can't really have any emotional investment in it when there's no when there's no. Um, I mean, we've talked before how, like, AEW is, they feel like they're trying to be, like, you know, a Japanese-style booking on an American promotion, and, and you know, I think that may be where they're going, is that, you know, anybody can get a title shot at any time, but it feels really weird to do that. In it, feels, it feels, for, well, it just feels forced. They're not, they're not, do, like, Sonata didn't just get a title shot. Sonata got title shots because he um, beat, uh, you know, he beats uh, Okada in tournaments. So that's why he got title shots. He wasn't just handed a title shot because of his win-loss record. Or because right, of some so silly ranking well, system. Well, let's, let's, take it back. Let's, let's take a step back. He, he, got the title shot at, he got the title shot after Okada won it at, at G1 Supercard because Okada said after he barely squeaked by him at the new, in the New Japan Cup final, he was going to get the first title shot at him. And then he got the second title shot by beating Okada in the G1. Well, and didn't Tanahashi do something like that, too, with his redemption tour? Probably. Where he was going through challenging people that had beat him re- uh, recently. So yeah. he, stuff like that makes sense, where they're just trying to prove that, hey, I still got it. I can beat you. Yeah. <clears throat> or, yeah, or you, or you might beat somebody in a tag match. or you know, It's, it's just, I'm, I'm really... I'm I'm disappointed with what I'm seeing with AEW right now. I, I guess it's like, I mean I thought I thought Dynamite was a good show, but I also thought like it it kind of like threw everything kind of up in the air with with all the championships. Yeah, I think they have some great cha- great performances. I think they've got some top notch wrestlers. I, 
I think they're going in directions with certain people. Maybe it's just that they're too, still too new. I mean, we're, we've, they've only been on TV, what, three months now? Four months? Is it four months? You know, they really, yeah, I mean, April there's... Second, so, yeah, there's February, you know, they, by, the end of, by the end of this month, it'll be four months. You, yeah, October. You said April. Uh, yeah, so October, we're looking at... We're looking at about we're looking at about four months of TV to really build up. So they're still kind of in their infancy in that. I just don't know where they're going with a lot of it. They've really only got. I mean, they've got. They're doing a lot of the multi-level booking and overlapping storylines that uh, the Attitude Era was known for. With the um, you know you got the Pac and Omega, and then you got Hangman thrown in there and. Or Pack and Omega and Hangman thrown in there. You've got Cody in there, the whole elite thing, plus Cody and MJF. So they're doing a good job with their top, I don't know, ten stars on on booking, but they're really dropping the balls on all the supporting cast. I mean, Darby Allen just kind of shows up, gets a title shot, and then disappears, and then comes back two we- two weeks later. And, okay, now he's going to face Pack, and if he wins, then he gets a shot at a shot at a title shot. You know, it's just there's not consistent booking with some of the younger guys. You know, yeah. I really am kind of pulling that for Pack to win that match against Moxley now. I, mean, I, I kind of am too. Happen, but it would, but it would, it'd be a great way to like throw a monkey wrench into things and make everything feel chaotic and um and like uh, nothing's guaranteed if you know if if Pack wins that match and he's the one that gets the title shot at Revolution and then that can leave Sean Moxley out in the cold. After, after this feud going on with Jericho, you know? But if we do that, then we're going to get another Moxley rant about how everybody's trying to keep him down by putting him in dark matches. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it, that was another thing. Moxley's a fun Moxley. <clears throat> yeah, it's a much better Moxley. But speaking of Moxley, how about Sammy Guevara's performance against him? How about Moxley joins the Dark Order? Was he one of the ones that they were talking about putting a mask on? He wasn't no, in that but promo. I think that'd be something if okay. You no, know, Mike, Mike Moxley, you know, like he, he gets he he loses his shot at the, at the at the championship. He has like no matches to go to, so he's like, eh, I didn't want to join you know the inner circle, but I I guess I'll join the dark dark order for a while. See how that goes. <laughs> no, I don't think that would go for a while. Just don't think that would work so well. Um, <coughs> oh, we're kind of running. The other thing, uh, yeah, I think that was pretty much all I wanted to really say about Dynamite too. I mean, they've yeah, got some yeah, good yeah, performances. Was awesome. it, it, again, he, again, he was one of the better parts of the entire show. And when we were talking about apron spots that didn't make any sense. Well. I think doing a, doing a, doing a meteor to your opponent and having them land straight on their shoulder blades on the on the apron does make sense. Yeah, that one I can. That one I was okay with. Yeah. You know, one of the few times I've seen, and it's funny how, you know, now I'm just disgusted with the apron apron spots. Not even looking, they they've got no meaning anymore. When it was just six months ago, we were afraid for Kota Ibushi's life. Well, that, we also talked about it at the time. Is you know, we also talked about it at the time that if they keep on doing it, just like the tope conhilos and the you know the topes of the outside, they're going to start losing their meaning if we see them all the time. And we see them at least uh, at least twice a match, a match, not twice a night, twice a match. Yeah. They become the apron spots have become the new suicide dive. Right. Yeah, and we don't need to see and, them anywhere near that often. And not only are they becoming, you know, the new suicide dive, they're also, like I said, this Tessa Blanchard one just made absolutely no sense at all. Yeah, and she still won the match, even though she knocked herself out by doing that stupid move. I don't know. I, um, we're kind of running out of time I, I, here, I, so I, I know you want to... Go ahead. I know you want to talk about Royal Rumble, but it sounds like you had something else to say, so... No, that's what I was going to say is like you know I I I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk a lot about the Royal Rumble. I just kind of wanted to say that I, I looked at the card coming up, and there's a couple of things that struck me. One of them is that um, six years ago we had a match at the Royal Rumble 
where Daniel Bryan faced Bray Wyatt, and it was one of the great matches of that year. But it also kind of like, you know, knocked out Bryan, and it kind of led to everything going on with the Yes Movement. And now we here we are, six years later, and both guys are multiple-time world champions, and they're facing each other at the Royal Rumble for the Raw, I think it's for the Raw, right? Well, no, it's SmackDown. The Universal title is now on SmackDown. I think that's pretty cool. You know, you know, one, you know, one guy, you know, for for years, um, you know, people people thought he was never gonna going to be um, gonna make it to the top in WWE. Even even when he was when he signed there, people were like, well, you know, you're a great wrestler, but you don't have the personality of the Mexicos to make it to the top of WWE. And then the other guy, you know, he was booked so poorly for such a long time. Um, you know, and we never thought he'd make it to the top. And then he had that, he did have that run, but it was basically just a run to put Orton over at WrestleMania for no damn reason. Um, right. And, and now, you know, it, I think it's, I think it's fun that those, these two guys are, are, are wrestling for the world championship at, for the, actually in the only, in the only match for the, for the world championship at the Royal Rumble this year. Yeah. Which is also ridiculous. Your top title isn't being, um, defended at one of your major pay-per-views because the guy who holds it who only shows up once every six months decides to enter the royal rumble well that was the other thing it's stupid it's like you know five years ago you and i kind of talked about this we were like you know wouldn't it be awesome if like brock lesnar came out there and he and he just he just decided he was gonna be number one in the royal rumble and he just started throwing people out as they came in and now again five years later they're actually doing that but he's the champion makes no sense right and now we're taking we're taking the top we're taking the top title off a major pay-per-view just you can stand in the middle of the ring and throw people around wait wait, it's just dumb universal title the top title in the company he's not the universal that's the wwe title remember he won it from kofi and they moved it immediately over to uh, over to raw and then the fiend the fiend won the universal title yeah my, my mistake he the fiend won the universal title from Seth, and then they immediately moved him over to SmackDown, changed it from red to blue. Of course they did. So, yeah, because they had to have the top title on Raw with um with Brock Lesnar. And then, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there a rematch from last year's Royal Rumble as well? Isn't it uh, Becky defending against? Um, Oscar again? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then we got Lacey Evans in a title match. We've got Roman Reigns and King Corbin doing God knows what. Sheamus makes his return, so that should be fun. I, I, huh. I guess we know what we're getting with WWE at this point. <laughs> and it's looking at this, there might be two good matches on here. And, you know, guys, you might be wondering, why are you guys talking about WWE on Kingdom of Honor? Well, the reason is because this coming Sunday is both my favorite and least favorite night of the year. Um, it's my favorite night of the year because um, it's, it's a night that my late brother Trav and I always used to used to get together every year to watch the Royal Rumble. I mean, even, even if we had crazy things going on in our lives, we made sure we got together to watch this show. Um, and... And, you know, it's my least favorite night of the year because it's the also night that I miss my brother the most. So um, so we'll be getting together to watch it at Jeff's place, and, and we'll be talking about it next next week on uh, Kingdom of Honor as well. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get a chance to watch Worlds Collide before that. Um, I, I do think it's weird that Worlds Collide's main event is an eight-man tag, but, you know, whatever. Are, is WWE lacking for talent? I mean, I know they're not taking anybody from NXT oh, this they, year. They have like 800 people on their roster. Then why do what do duty? Everybody that's actually in a match is also in the Royal Rumble. Oh, are they? There's also there's also nobody nobody coming up from NXT, which makes sense because NXT is its own brand. But if we're gonna have NXT as their own brand, why are they not on this card? I would. I'm glad they're not on that card. I really don't want to see NXT keep mixing up with WWE. There's, I think them doing it. The Survivor Series was good enough, right? And then we're what five days away from the Royal Rumble, and we've only got four people announced for the women's for the women's Rumble match. Oh, and I just ruined it for me. I told you. <coughs> <the Rumble. laughs> what? 
Charlotte, Alexa, Nikki Cross, and then Sarah Logan just announced that she'll be in it on her Twitter. Actually, last year wasn't the women's rumble better than the men's rumble, or am I misremembering that? Yes. Okay. Well, no, it go. was much much better. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah, and last year in the men's rumble there was actually a woman in it. Yeah, Nia Jax. Yeah. Oh look, there's at least two women in it this year. I see Bobby Lashley and uh, Bobby Lashley. So we might get Bobby and Nia in there as the women this year. Wait, Bobby Lashley's a woman now? I'm not. I'm not a fan. Oh. Well, I think Santina should show up and win the women's rumble. Santina, Santino. <laughs> Well, he was Santino when he was a woman, though, remember? Oh, that's right. He was, wasn't he? As long as he pulls out the Cobra again. Well, if he's a woman, he should be keeping his Cobra in his pants, shouldn't he? But a tush. Yeah, I don't even want to say that. Anything else? Or uh, you want to let everybody else listen to us at? Um... I got nothing else. I mean, kind of covered it all or disappointment. And, you know, the fact that if you do get a chance, anybody gets a chance and wants to go watch anything from that hard to kill show, you've got to watch Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards. That's a must watch. Other than that, the rest of it, I guess, watch your own discretion. I'm throwing my hat in for Ace Austin. I thought he had a hell of a performance. The Moose Rhino matchup was better than expected. Um, the North is always good, and Willie Mack put on a hell of a performance in that. So, I mean, there there's some great things to take away from this. And, of course, Ty Valkyrie is just great regardless. So there's some great stuff to take away from this. Um, but if you, if you can only watch one match, take 20 minutes out of your life and watch an Eddie Edwards-Michael Elgin match, and it'll be definitely worth it. Yeah, I definitely endorse that. I mean, I thought it was a good show overall. Uh, I mean, yeah, there was, there was not all the matches were great, but I thought it was a good show overall. Um, a good, you know, if you, if you intellectually watch professional wrestling, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great show overall, a good show overall at least. And yeah, Edwards versus Elgin was great. And I, and I know I'm saying this on, we're exactly three weeks into the year right now, and I know I'm, I know this is going to sound like a ridiculous thing to say, but this is my third favorite match of the year so far, and I can't imagine it's going to drop out of the top ten anytime soon. Third favorite. I guess I really only have five that I would pick, put. I don't know if I'd make it my third favorite, but definitely my top five. Yeah, for me it would be Naito versus, well, maybe fourth. Because Naito versus uh, Okada, I have higher than you do. And I, and I really right. loved um, both the, both the uh, junior heavyweight title match and the world title match from um, WrestleMania Night 1. So it's somewhere in my top three or four. And I still have that Darby Allen Cody Rhodes match or Cody match from that first episode of Dynamite too up there. It was good, but I, I wouldn't. But I, I don't think it's got the lasting. Imp- it doesn't have the lasting no. impact for me that this one does. No, and uh, and of course Tyler Bate and um, why can't I think of his name? Jordan Devlin from UK. I thought was just a, a fantastic match as well. And again, we talked about my problems with that one last week. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I we agree a lot. We yeah, agree a lot, but we don't agree all the time. So. No, that's why I cut you off is because you're disagreeing with me. <laughs> all right. Um, I know I'm going to say it again. Just go to Patreon, patreon.com slash King of Honor. You can hit up all of our socials on there. Um, Twitter is mine's at Regicoop. He's at ZanmanLLP. Use hashtag DAD, hashtag uh, KOH to find us easier. And, of course, YouTube. Um, you can get the links by going to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash King of Honor. You can throw a little donation our way to help us out to continue to do this. Get- some exclusive content at the same time and be uh find the link to our youtube site where you'll want to uh, hit the subscribe button and ring the notification bell so you can get any we do on there and we'll be doing um these shows are going well as live on on um lords of pain radio and also we're going to, we're planning on doing at least one um, YouTube show per month so that's coming soon so guys check that stuff out and um, love you. 
programming note, uh, last Friday was the very last episode of the of the pond here on Lords of Pain Radio. You know, long time long time staple here. So you know, recently we've over the course of the last year we've lost um, the late show with Steve. Um, we've lost uh, wait the, the late show was no I, I totally forgot the name. Maybe, maybe it was the late show. I what the fuck? It, but, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, we've lost the doctors. Um, we lost One Nation Radio, and now, of course, we've lost the Rights Pond. Um, but we do already have a replacement lined up this coming Friday. Our boys, the Mystic and Misfan, are back, this time with NWA Power, the Legacy Series, where every week they'll be talking about the previous week's um, NWA Power, and then eventually they're going to be adding us where they're talking about the best of that show, you know, best of women's division, best of... Uh, uh, best of uh, 10 pounds of gold, that kind, of, that kind of thing. So stay tuned to that. And also, you know, stay tuned to tomorrow is Dynamite After Dark, right after Dynamite goes off the air. And Sports Entertainment is Dead, which has four more weeks. And then on Thursday is, of course, Imp's LOP Radio Adventure. And then, like I said, we'll be back next Monday to talk about Royal Rumble and possibly Worlds, if Worlds Collide if I get a chance to watch it. So um, that's all. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye and good night. Bang. <laughs>